Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Market Watch is proudly brought to you by Top Sport, home of the Top Sport betting multi. Gamble responsibly. Call 1 800 858 858. G'day everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Market Watch podcast. It's proudly brought to you by topsport.com.au. The half hour of rugby league and racing gossip and innuendo has been completed. Now we get to the tipping part of the podcast. I'm uh, here with the uh, usual suspects. I'm talking about the number one seed up there at Topsport. That is Tristan Merlihan. Uh, and of course, uh, our man, Mr. G from readingtheplay.com.au. Very enlightening talk that we've had through this podcast. Uh, how are you today, gentlemen? Yeah, very good, boys. And uh, yeah, it was a very, very enjoyable uh, chat. Uh, Jared was, was on his lunch break. It was uh, delving into a lot of uh, very interesting stories. So it was a great listen. And uh, yeah, we've just sat back and uh, and, and just, just enjoyed the arvo. And uh, yeah, I found out exactly where, where we sit in the Jimmy Smith friendship pecking order as well. So I know it's been, uh, <laughs> been, been, a, been a really enjoyable uh, little preview, but I'm looking forward to getting into the uh, in, into the week of action because what a week we've had with our Cricket World Cup, Rugby League World Cup, big horse racing, and now the weekend coming up is going to be an absolute beauty. So looking forward to it and, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, uh, having a chat. Well, I think if the truth was told, we've just spent 30 minutes talking about the fact that it looks like King's Trusted running again this week <laughs> and, and, and what its chances are. Why wouldn't you? No, we had a half an hour conversation, 29 minutes spent talking about King's Trust and a little bit of uh, minor detail elsewhere. Um, you're right, Tristan, isn't it a great time of the year? We've got um, the NBA, the NFL, we've got Major League Baseball finals, the NHL is on, we've got brilliant racing here over the course of the last... A uh, couple of weeks, and and now we've got the Rugby League World Cup quarterfinals. Not to mention the ICC T20 World Cup, which tonight we think, we hope that Australia make their way through to the semi-finals. So um, a lot going on, and that's the way it should be. Um, and, and and Jimmy, just on the back of that, the other very good news, which I'm sure you've got this pencil down, is that there are two horses called Plundering and Dark Chill just returning back to the stables ready for work through Christmas and um, hopefully um, might be up against King's Trust at some stage. You've read my notes, Jared. That was the next point of order. So there you go on the agenda. Remember, if you are enjoying the podcast, that's great. Tell your mates, uh, but also subscribe to the podcast, Spotify, Apple, uh, Amazon, Google, wherever you get it, YouTube channel as well. So uh, it's all happening for us. Let's go back before we go forward. Uh, last week, we had a collect. Go Lebanon. Go Lebanon. And they were too good for Jamaica. Beat them at the line. Uh, $87 jumps in. How did we go with the lunch bets yes, uh, last week, uh, Jerry? Uh, Jimmy, well, the good news is you've been fined a minus two because it's the first week in two years that I think you haven't had a lunch bet. But outside of that, there was nothing to report. Um, we're all pretty much on the same page uh, last week with no major disagreements. Um, we did like Lebanon at the line. Uh, we thought Australia uh, 
uh, would probably win comfortably. And uh, we might have missed a couple of others. The horse racing, well, it's been uh, a few tough yards there. We might get a click this week, but we're now into the quarterfinals of uh, the Rugby League World Cup and we've got some cracking good matchups here, haven't we? Absolutely. Charity Bank balance update for Pass It On Clothing, please, Tristan. Yeah, we got $1,150 in there. So it was obviously a little bit of a uh, quieter week on the other uh, lunch bets, no fines. But does that mean Jimmy has to pop in a, a, a fine for the minus two, Jared, as well? Is that how that works? The uh, the rules that you popped up for, for not engaging in a lunch bet? I'm not sure I'll let you answer that one. But uh, 11 on minus 41 and a half. That was a very, uh, very well thought out selection by Jimmy, obviously. You know, the Jamaica look like they might have uh, celebrated their try against New Zealand. It's a little bit too hard. 11 on, we're, we're too good. We're very happy we're over the, uh, the 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 games that were on last weekend and into the knockout games because it was a bit of a dangerous weekend that's just passed. Talking about being in fight club, uh, rule number one is there is no fight club. Well, the rules are there are no rules in the top sport betting draw. Anyway, let's go to the score update on that. Uh, Played 46. I feel like I'm Wigan in a Challenge Cup year here. But anyway, um, plus six for me. And then Jared and Tristan, minus three, minus two. I can just see you from here, Tristan. So there you go. Uh, all right. Um, uh, before we get into that, um, overall, the pool stages of the Rugby League World Cup. Your thoughts on that, Jared? Um, you know, we had, we did have some blowout scorelines. But, but, you know, you've got a plan for the future. 100%, Jimmy. And I think we touched on that last week that we expected that week three would end up being a blowout, uh, which it was. Um, it was going to be end up, end up being lopsided because uh, the, the key pool results had already been decided and we had teams that were making up the numbers and teams trying to build combinations ready for the quarterfinals. Um, I do say in hindsight, Jimmy, I think that Group D, which is the Cook Islands, Papua New Guinea, Tonga and Wales, I think that that overall has probably proved to be, I think, the strongest form of any of those groups because the others have been very much lopsided, in particular um, the Australian pool and the New Zealand pool. Uh, England has also ended up winning comfortably in game one against Samoa, which wasn't expected. So I think a little bit of that comes into play as we look through these games and some very interesting quarterfinal uh, lineups. And I mean, th three of them, I, uh, we do expect to be quite straightforward, although I think there's a little bit of competition, especially in, in the line positions. And then we round out with game four, Tonga and Samoa will be an absolute cracker. So uh, that will lead us through into, I think, a very interesting semi-final stage. Uh, eight teams remaining, Tristan, you better give us the market as it now stands. Yeah, well, there is a bit of a different... Like, uh, the market changed significantly on the back of that first game, as we touched on a number of episodes ago, when England did beat Samoa. And it's probably remained pretty similar since. Australia are the $1.40 firm favourites. England are $6 third pick. New Zealand in the middle there at 5 Tonga at $15, and Samoa at $26. Obviously, we, we expect Australia, New Zealand, and England all to advance. I wouldn't expect their prices will change significantly after this round's games, as long as nothing occurs there and no injuries. Uh, but the winner of the Tonga-Samoa game is going to firm substantially. Uh, they've drifted a little, haven't they, New Zealand? That You could got four, were they $4 or four fifty now out to five? I reckon that's on the back of, I've been a little bit underwhelmed about the way they've played, notwithstanding Jerome Hughes' return. And the goal kicking is an issue. Yeah, goal kicking, a massive issue. They're in as low as $3.80 on the 10th of uh 
10th of October. So, um, you know, there was a big push for them. They're back to what they were. They opened at $7.25 when we put the betting up, or $7, should I say, and then it got into around $5 for the bulk of betting. They're just in that last probably two weeks in the lead up. Once the teams were, were named, they got in very firm into that $3.80 mark. But yeah, they have left a little bit to be desired and that goal kicking is a big worry because you're not going to be able to leave that many points out there uh, when you take on the likes of Australia, England or um, or the winner of Samoa and Tonga. Yeah, the, the two key changes since um, the, prior to the opening of the tournament was I thought New Zealand maybe at 6.50 at that stage might have been a nice bet um, with a matchup against Australia in the semi-finals. Uh, I didn't make it a bet like you, Jimmy. I've been very disappointed with the Kiwis. Um, I think they've been underwhelming. I think they've been very clunky. Um, missing a goal kick is key, but um, they really do need to improve into this week to have some sort of showing against Australia next week. The other one, well, the other two, obviously, uh, England have firmed up. Um, I'll touch on it in a moment. I'm just not sure England's going as good as some of the English think and have yet to play anybody. Um, and then the other one was I had Tonga and Samoa probably about line ball. Maybe uh, some positions around the market had Samoa a little shorter than Tonga. Um, off that very disappointing week one, they're certainly blowing out a little bit and more will tell out of that great matchup on Monday. All right, let's have a look at this first game. It's Australia up against Lebanon. It's Mel Meninga up against Michael Checker. Michael Checker will be coaching Argentina in the Rugby International on the Sunday. That is just incredible. Let's go through the Australian side because we only just got this 24 hours ago or there or thereabouts prior to having a, a press release that just had the players listed in alphabetical order, which was a joke, but separate issue. Tedesco at the back and the captain. Josh Adokar and Campbell Graham on the wings. Valentine Holmes and... Latrell Mitchell, Cam Munster, and Nathan Cleary now comes into that number uh, or halfback position. Jake Trebojevic, Harry Grant, Tino Fasua, Malaawi, Angus Crichton, Isaiah Yo in the second row. Cam Murray is at lock forward. Daly Cherry Evans now drops back to the bench after previously being named in that halfback position. Jack White and Patrick Carrigan and Ruben Cotter, 18th man and 19th man, Lindsay Collins and Liam Martin. Uh, you better give us the market for this one and the all-important line, Tristan. Yeah, certainly a very interesting um, decision to omit uh, Ben Hunt from that squad. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's I'm sure you guys have got an opinion, and I was very, very surprised. Australia's 1.002 to beat Lebanon. Lebanon, $51, 41-and-a-half. Now, it was 42-and-a-half. It's down to 41-and-a-half now. So a little bit of support for Lebanon at the plus. The total points has firmed up uh, significantly. It was 58 and a half when it opened. It's down to 55 and a half. So been a little bit of a push towards the unders. Uh, Jared, I'll let you touch on this a little bit further, but uh, you're interested on your thoughts on the Ben Hunt out. Well, firstly, just uh, um, on the field itself, um, just pre uh, briefly mentioned that Latrell Mitchell was in a media interview I saw this morning after they had Australia had a, a light training run, I believe, at the ground. Um, the ground is a little bit waterlogged. I think the forecast is uh, clear and sunny for English terms on a Friday. Maybe some light 
wind and light rain on Saturday prior to the game, but the, gr the ground did look to be very waterlogged. And when Mitchell was asked about what he thought of the conditions, um, his reply was that he's actually got a paddock at his farm in Taree that might be in better condition than the ground. So maybe that's probably why the line has just continued to firm a little bit and the total points have come down a little bit. In terms of the selection, the admission of Hunt, I just find staggering. I think going into the quarterfinal, you're looking at picking your best team, especially when you're lining up against New Zealand next week. And, you know, I've had plenty of pushback on social media over the last couple of days that, listen, we're playing Lebanon here, it doesn't matter. As far as I'm concerned, an Australian jumper, when you're into a quarterfinal of a World Cup, it does matter. You A, are picking your best team, and Hunt has to be in the best 14. I just think Meninga's taken the soft option. He's picked Cherry Evans to play off the bench as the backup at number nine. Um, Hunt's just been a walk-up in that combination playing with Harry Grant. The other one that I find very surprising is giving Campbell Graham a run on the wing and Jack Whiten starts off the bench. I mean, surely the best combination is Whiten goes to the centres, Val Holmes plays on the wing. I mean, I thought Campbell Graham was very lucky to get on the plane, let alone now be playing a quarterfinal in an Australian jumper. So I find those selections quite staggering. Australia will win. That's not the point. I think we should be going with our best combination. In terms of the matchup, um, you know, Lebanon's best offering was, um, well, weeks one and two. Uh, week one against New Zealand, they let 34 through. I thought New Zealand were pretty ordinary first up. Um, Lebanon then had um, decisive victories against Ireland and Jamaica. Um, I just think that Australia are a building combination. They've got a lot of this internal competition around positions. I think that they're ready to put their foot down here. And I don't believe that they're going to be leaking a great deal of points. So I think that they win. I think they cover 41 and a half. I thought it was much closer to 50 off my numbers. Uh, Lebanon will be um, plucky. They'll have a crack. I just don't know that they can hold out such a, a, a strong Australian lineup. Yeah, I've had similar thoughts around the naming of the team too. First of all, they did it alphabetically, which, you know, numbering system aside, adds a level of complexity to it that doesn't need to be there. You know, tell us your 17, tell us the positions they're going to play. I had yesterday the NRL website saying that Daly Cherry Evans was going to be starting at halfback and Nathan Cleary was coming from the bench. That's now flipped around within the space of about 18 hours. So you just wonder what has transpired there. I totally agree. Ask Ben Hunt. Ben Hunt's played 10 test matches for Australia. Ask him, do you want to have a rest or do you want to play in a World Cup quarterfinal? Like, and, and I was critical in the game against Scotland that they didn't pick the side that was going to go through for the remainder of the tournament because you get a very little window. You, you know, the, we, we all know the final is coming a week early against New Zealand. And again, Australia will probably win that based on what we've seen. But as you say, Jared, that is not the point. Pick your best side, get the combinations going and go from there and make the tough decision. And I will be shocked if the side isn't, you know, Tedesco at the back, Munster and Cleary in the halves, Yo at 13 or Yo at lock forward, and then work it out whether Harry Grant and Ben Hunt start or come from the bench because that's the best side. I think there's, you know, the vast majority of people agree with that. If it's anything else, I'd be shocked. So my greater shock is why is that not happening now? And totally agree around Campbell Graham, Tristan. Like, you know, Jack Whiten into the centres, Valentine Holmes onto the wing, and you've got a really strong Australian kangaroo side. 
And what happens if, if you play against a weakened Lebanon side and DC absolutely stars? Well, what happens then? And, uh, and, and, and then are you left to, you're forced to, 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 to pick him in the semi final when Ben Hunt hasn't had the same opportunity to do to, to, to what we all perceive to be the rest, yep. the best side. That's the problem. You're on a hiding to nothing here. And, um, and I just don't understand it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. You've had this long to prepare for a World Cup and you're not picking your best side when, 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 it, when it matters. And we've already seen the Cricket World Cup. Upsets can occur. It shouldn't. And, and I'm very confident Australia won't get beaten. But imagine how you'd feel if you were rested and then all of a sudden your World Cup's over as well. Well, and, and Jimmy, you and I have been around enough uh, football teams. It, it, the the honour of being picked in first grade or the honour of being picked to represent when it was city or country or New South Wales or Queensland is no different than then the uh, at, at the highest level to be picked to play for Australia. And it should be the best potential team to be running out here in preparation for that semi-final next week. The other thing that we haven't touched on either, Jimmy, if it's named correctly in positions, we've now got uh, Yo moving to an edge and Murray locking the scrum. You can't tell me that that's going to be the combination next week. He, he hasn't played on an edge for three years, Isaiah Yo. If, if it, it's, it's really strange. Or it's really strange. Anyway, as we say, it's it's a luxury that Australia will win. Um, I don't, I don't like them at the line, the forty-one and a half. Um, I think Lebanon can cause some problems. You know they'll be emotional coming off what what Michael Checker uh, is doing. So I'll, I'll, I'm prepared to go head to head with them on that one. But um, we know Australia's going to win, and we know the big games next week. But I just thought it's strange. From you know, ask Ben Hunt. Ben, do you want to play in this Test match? And I guarantee a thousand percent his answer is absolutely no. And he was one of the best players of the Origin series. It was yes. outstanding. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, you can count me in. What? What do you mean? Your lunch, lunch bet. bet. Yep. Lunch bet at the line. Okay. What is it? Forty-three and a half. Uh, for you, it's forty-one and a half. Thank you very much. <laughs> Jeez, you don't miss much, do you? Right. Um, mate, I'm in. I'm in. Come on, check. Get them all fired up. Away you go. Away you go. Um, the second quarter final is England up against Papua New Guinea. Now, this one is interesting, Tristan. What's the market here? Yeah, I think this is a very interesting match where England's $1.05, Papua New Guinea $10, and 22.5 is the line. It's open at 22, stayed at that same number. Open at 45.5, the total's down to 44.5, so a little bit of downward pressure on the unders. But PNG, yeah, I wouldn't say they've been the surprise package because they've um, they were certainly good in the in, in, in the middle part of the uh, the internationals uh, series this year. But wow, they've they've impressed me. And some of these these players in their side, they've shown that they that if they could get into an NRL system, they could be anything. Particularly, I've loved how the hooker Epape has gone about his business. So uh, twenty two and a half is the line, and um, and yeah, to be. We'll see what England's all about here because they're obviously very impressive in that first game, but, uh, you know, into the knockout stage now, there'll be a bit, a bit of pressure on them. Whole heap of angles here for me. Firstly, if we go back to that first 20 minutes, the opening 20 minutes of game one. Now, I was with England in that game and England went in at plus three and a half. Now, they won 60 to six. But if you actually go back and watch the tape of that first 15 and 20 minutes, I thought England were poor. They had... Um, a mountain of ball in the red zone and really struggled with their setup and execution of their attack. Now, as Samoa fell away, the game opened up and England looked like absolute champions. 
Uh, it's different here. They're going to play a team that wants to defend and has got some attitude and got some very good structure around that. Um, England then went on with very easy walkthrough wins over France and Greece. I just think that the the, the form line um, looks far rosier than I think it is into a game that I think's a really nice matchup. We then look at PNG coming out of what I touched on a moment ago. I think the strongest pool. Um, they really stretched Tonga in game one, lost 24-18, had two tries disallowed, and could well have, and should well have been the winners on that day. Um, nice result over the Cook Islands, and then a good result over Wales. I think that that's a stronger form line. But what's impressed me is the quality of their attitude and their defence and a number of these players that really want to work hard and aim up. The last four times that these two teams have met, England have won all four, but the four margins have been 10, 26, 30, and on the last occasion was 18. Um, I think 22 and a half is just way too big. PNG have covered the line at each of their three games so far. Um, I think we're looking at wet conditions into Sunday. Uh, I think PNG can really have a crack here. England win, I just think 22 and a half is too big. We all know how physical PNG can be too, right? So that, that's probably at the, the basis of all that they do, that we know that the, the effort is, you know, there's no question mark around that. They've got a little bit of class associated with that with, with Lachlan Lamb and Reese Martin and to a lesser degree, you know, I, I don't, you know, there's not a lot of, um, I won't say the brains because he's actually an applied physicist, um, Justin Olam, but he just brings that physicality to it, but he brings polish to what they do out on that left-hand side as well. And Alex Johnson, we know he's not the strongest ball carrier, but he's a try scorer. So, you know, you'd expect him to get a try in this game as well against uh, England. Like England have been solid. England have done all they could ask of. Bradley brings a different part to their game, which, you know, Sean Wayne must have been falling over himself when he got, got this bloke come into the squad and um, recognise how he works with anyone and everyone. So that's a massive bonus for him. But I, I tend to agree. I think the plus 22 and a half is, is too much. And I'm, I really like them at that line to be, be competitive throughout the course of the match. The next game is New Zealand up against Fiji. And as we say, the, the interest here is at the line, Tristan, but they haven't been overly impressive in saying that. Jerome Hughes came out and in the space of 60 minutes made you think, ah, that's right, a, a world-class halfback. Yeah, absolutely. And um, <clears throat> I think the issue with, uh, with the big minus here, so it's 101 New Zealand, $17 Fiji, 29 and a half. It was 30 and a half. Dropped back over that important number of 30 to 29 and a half, and now we've laid the minus. So it seems to be about the numbers around about right, 48 and a half the total points, which has come down. It opened at 51 and a half. Now it's 48 and a half short of the unders. So um, it's, it's fascinating to try to work out exactly where this sits. Normally, you know, when you've got a number around about that 30, you're thinking five tries, maybe, you know, probably six tries winning margin, but that may not necessarily be the case with the way the well-documented kicking that, uh, that we've seen. Um, I, I found it um, a bit strange that, uh, you know, Jordan Rapano was uh, obviously he, uh, he took the first couple of kicks and then, then didn't take any more. I don't know if there was a little niggle there or what the go was, but um, I found that a little bit surprising. But, yeah, New Zealand is certainly uh, expected to get their result and expected to win comfortably, but time will tell. Yes, uh, I'm on the same page. I think New Zealand win, and I think that they look to cover the line. Uh, uh, Fiji have been very hard to get a handle on. I thought they were poor in the lead-up game before week one. Week one against Australia, I thought Australia should have won by a bigger margin. 
it ended up 42.8. I thought it should have been a lot more. They then have had two um, soft walkthrough wins over Italy and Scotland. Um, if they lift like they did in that opening uh, 20 to 30 minutes against Australia, uh, then they can make this a little closer. New Zealand, the key clearly is uh, Hughes and Brown at six and seven, uh, and then Manu at one. I mean, it, it, there's just lots of class and quality around that. Um, I don't want to play with a 30-point line when there's just no designated goal kicker that you know is going to have a 80 to 90% um, success rate, especially in potential wet conditions. So New Zealand, the win, probably cover. I'm happy to just watch the game. Yeah, it'd be interesting, wouldn't it, with uh, if Moses Leota and um, JWH will obviously be back for that that uh, semi-final because they will win New Zealand. Um, but would, wouldn't you love to see them play really well and then just just put a... Because that the way I see it now is Australia wins that semi-final against New Zealand based on the way that both teams have played in the lead-up to this week. But what if this week changes our opinion on that? Um, unfortunately, I don't see it happening unless Hughes does again what he did last week. And, you know, Brown's been solid. Brown has that inventiveness that is a feature of his play at Parramatta this year. Hasn't quite found it in the Rugby League World Cup, but, you know, we know what he is capable of. Manu were... You know, get excited every time he gets near the ball. Um, but they're not playing with an openness and a fluidity that you expect of a team with those types of players in it. I don't know whether it's the Michael Maguire style of play and that's how we're going to play. I, I know he loves being physical and he's got the forward pack to do that, but um, just haven't seen that click. And what we do know is that Brandon Smith and, and Jerome Hughes and Joey Manu can come out and go bang. Um, and, and blow Fiji away. But as you say, Jared, I, I, I'm reluctant to play in this game. I hope we get a really good New Zealand performance because they don't make us really bullish about the semi-final. Um, New Zealand win, but I'll stay away from anything else in that market, Jared. Jimmy, the other key thing too that I think Maguire shows his hand here, and you touched on this last week, you know, the naming of uh, Nakora as one centre and Isaac Liu as the other. I mean... It just tells you how he wants to try and defensively shut the game down and get this team prepared for what he's then going to ask them to do next week against Australia. So if you've got Nakora and uh, Isaac Liu as your two centres, there's not a lot of points happening in this game, is there? There's a particular way you want to play, right? Or not necessarily for this game, but there's a particular way that you think you can beat Australia. Um, so that's so the we know that JWH will back will be back. The fitness of Moses Leota and the other one is Murata Niakore and, and and what happens there because that will change the makeup of his side for that that semi-final. All right, let's get to the last one. This is the, this is the really interesting one. This is where you've got to go, okay, not straightforward. Mate Ma Tonga taking on Samoa in uh, an early game on Monday morning. What's the market saying here, Tristan? Yeah, this one, I'm, uh, I'm I'm certain both of these sides would be disappointed that they, one of them has to get knocked out of the in the quarterfinal phase because I think both sides, and they probably both still do, fancy themselves are going all the way here. But uh, obviously Samoa dropping that game to England early, put them on this side of the draw, and now Tonga are $1.54 favourites. Samoa $2.45, four and a half is a line. There has been support for Samoa at the plus into $1.85 and 40 and a half the totals. Obviously, it's well documented how disappointing Samoa were in that first game. But as, as Jared pointed out, you know, it was just that little window or that period 
um, in, in, at the end of the game, which really blew that scoreline out. So they've been a lot better since. Um, Tomalolo back for Tonga, obviously, though, adds a massive amount to that side. So this one's going to be an absolute beauty, and we'll see which side has the momentum going to the semifinals. And I, I want to be against Samoa here. Um, you know, after that game against England, they then have had walkthrough results against Greece and France. Well, you know, to be honest, Dom, and that's a little bit like kissing your sister, isn't it? Having big, big results there. The, the problem, if we go back to the, our discussion before week one, Milford's not a seven and he's not an organising seven for mine. And that clearly got called out when they were under some defensive pressure from England. Um, it left Little Eye on the left edge uh, like a shag on a rock because their go forward and their setup was very poor. I don't like uh, uh, Danny Levi at nine, and I certainly don't like Suwali at one at an international level. Um, the other issue that has been exposed in these three games is that they have all middle forwards and lack um, edge forwards, and now they're without um, uh, Eli, who's done his leg and uh, is out injured. So I think they're top heavy in the middle. I don't think they've got the right direction. Um, I don't think they've got the right attitude. And I think Tonga are on the up. Um, I'm with Tonga. I probably would have had it a little closer than four and a half, but I do think Tonga are building to, into something and then want to play England in that semi final next week. And I think Samoa are very easy to risk because I just don't like their attitude. And I think there's going to be potentially another week where they just completely fall away, especially if there's a little bit of pressure. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, these sides met back in the 2017 Rugby League World Cup. That's when Taumalala went for feeder and, you know, the, the, the march was on. This is a very different Samoa side, but they won comfortably on that occasion, did Tonga. Um, and you just get the sense, all those things that you mentioned, they do have edge back rows. They've got too many of them. They've got Dave for feeder. They can't fit into the side, you know. Kalama Tangi and um, uh, Hamali Olakawatu, these guys are world-class players. Um, and the, the other, about, other thing about it is, I don't know about Tui Lolohia. I, I still think he's a, I don't know what he is, you know, as a 14, he's a six. He's not quite a seven. But they've got this kid, Isaiah Katoa, who kicked 14 from 16 in that game that they won 94 to four, who is a standout talent. Now, the problem for him is he hasn't played an NRL game. So he's very raw. And he's going to come up against a, a guy like Jerome Luai, who, you know, is a, is a two-time premiership winner and a state of origin player. But you get the sense that he's not going to be overawed by his um, former Panthers teammates. So I, I see that as a really key part of the game. The other key part of the game is they've got their talisman back, haven't they? Tal Malolo comes back, scores a couple of tries where people jump out of the way. Hey, I'm not sure I wouldn't do something different. But, you know, that's he's, he's the guy that led them in 2017. And he's the guy they're looking to lead them in 2022. And I think he can do that. I, I like Tonga, but I get the sense it's going to be a really big emotional come down for the winner off the back of this one. And that might leave them vulnerable to um, whoever it is. We presume it's going to be England in the semifinal. But this game, quarterfinal, I like Tonga. All right, Jared, you better give us your best. Yeah, I'm with Australia, Jimmy. I, I'm hoping that that track's not too wet come game time. I think Australia can put their foot down. I think this is the biggest test Lebanon have had. Um, I don't think that they have a lot of points in them against the quality of Australia's defence. And I'm hoping that that competition for positions to want to play in a semi-final next week 
uh, really sees Australia put their foot down and, and run away with this. So Australia to cover the 41 and a half. And I do think that the plus 22 and a half for PNG takes you a long, a long way into that game against England. Well, I hope John Smith Stadium looks like one of Latrell Mitchell's back paddocks up there at Taree. That's what I'm hoping for. Go Lebanon on the plus 41 and a half. I'll be cheering them on tomorrow morning. Uh, as for my best, Tonga head-to-head, $1.54 into that one that you just mentioned, Jared. PNG plus the 22 and a half at $1.88. That'll give you $2.89. Uh, my staking plan for that is I'm going to put it all on the $2.89. So there you go for that one. Now, Tristan, do you have one for the listeners for the quarterfinal stage? Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned because we've all lobbed on the same side again here, but I'm uh, I'm very keen on PNG plus a start. I, I, I just think they've been very, very good this tournament. I think uh, I think England's probably, you know, yeah, may, maybe everyone's seen that first game and, and got a little bit over ahead of themselves. So I just think the plus 22 and a half, I, my staking plan is all on the nose. Yeah, very good. Very good. Now, the racing continues, and I know, Tristan, that you are very excited uh, about Saturday's racing. Uh, some great horses back in action. Nature Strip, Animo, uh, they're all there. King's Trust, you know, it's an it's a outstanding roll-up of stars. Now, um, you better take us through some of those key markets for Flemington on Saturday, mate. Yeah, we've got a huge, uh, a huge weekend coming up, huge day of racing. It's, uh, it's always been a really... Good finish to the carnival anyway, but I think it's probably gone to another level here where we've got three group ones. We've got the champion stakes, the champion miles, and the champion sprint where Nature Strip goes around again, 220 into $1.90 in the champion sprint. Uh, Giga Kick has been $5 out to $5.50. Obviously, the champion from the Everest day, it's still $5.50 in that race. Bella Nipotina won the Manicato. It's been $6.50 into $6.00. And Palili, it was the firm favourite in the Manicato, but a little bit disappointing. It's $21.00 in from 31. Then just having a look at the uh, Champions Mile, the next race, which is race seven, it looks a high quality field where Private Eye being 330 into $2.90, Cascadian six into 480, and Alligator Blood just taking on a, or avoiding a couple of superstars, gone 550 out to seven. So um, my Oberon as well, $5 into 460. And the one with a little bit of value I don't mind is the eight Tuvalu, $13 into 11. And then to finish things off, the Champion Stakes, I'm excited about this and Animo, I'll be prepared to take it on. It's been 215 into 205, an absolute superstar, as we know, but just get the feeling Cox Plate was its grand final and maybe just uh, going to the well another time. Already won four times this preparation. I just think maybe it's a touch vulnerable at the price. I'm Thunderstruck, $4 into 390. Zaki, $9 into seven. Uh, it's going to be a cracking day. Jared, what's your best there on Saturday? Oh, they're three cracking uh, races just to finish that card, isn't it? Um, I love what they've done in, in focusing on Champions Day and those three races. Uh, I thought we can maybe pick up some money earlier in the day. Let's go back to race two at Flemington. Um, number eight, Aesop. Now, it had excuses last start, um, ended up pulling up slightly lame and had a slight internal bleed, which is nothing major. Uh, Philip Stokes has given it a bit of a fresh up. You go back two starts ago, it dropped on them from the clouds like a very smart horse. Thought the 330 looked um, uh, very uh, very enticing here in this field. Some uh, nice horses to match up, but I do think Aesop's got a, a, a very big future. And uh, Jamie Carr riding for Philip Stokes, race two, number eight at Flemington, my bet for the weekend. 
All right, just getting some late breaking news coming through. Uh, yeah, King's Trust out. So uh, just let it be known, uh, punters, King's Trust out will not run in the highway tomorrow at Rose Hill. As a result of that, I'm going to take you elsewhere um, for a bet. I'm going to go back down to Flemington. I'm going to get in there early doors so they'll have a bit of folding for the day. I'm going to go race one, number six, unanimous. Okay. Um, I think there's been a bit of money around for race one, number six, unanimous. Tristan, just looking at that. Form around the horse is very good. Two starts ago. Uh, then came to Sydney. Couldn't get it going in a hot race when unsuited. Back to Melbourne. Weaker uh, field that he's up again. Likes running at Flemington. Ma used to stable. Uh, absolutely flying. So uh, that's how we're going to fold out, uh, finish off our, our carnival down there in Melbourne. Race one, number six, unanimous. Staking plan, all important. $6 presently, I believe, Tristan. In from nines. Um, we better go on the nose with that, I think. Oh, very confident. Yeah, there has been a bit of support. $8.50 actually into $6 and 100 on the nose there. We'll pop that on. Now, I'm going to take this one. I've got a little bit of uh, of a concern, though. I was going to – I'm quite excited, not just for the, uh, the races in Melbourne, but I've got a little share in a horse making its debut on Saturday at Rose Hill. But I would have thought the only reason King's Trust isn't running in the highway is that the meeting's abandoned. So I'm just not 100% <laughs> sure if um, if we're actually going to have races there. But I see it has just come out. So I'm going to take us to Sydney Race 6, number 15, Summer Lovin' in the Golden Gift. Won its trial very impressively. There's only two other horses in the race. So you can't get too carried away there. But this horse has got massive wraps on it. I'm very excited to see how it jumps out. Barrier eight is going to be perfect position. It was the emergency and luckily got a scratching. So it is into the field, but I'm going to just throw a hundred on the nose at $5. I do expect it to firm up a little bit tomorrow when uh, maybe a little bit of weight of money comes that way. So uh, Tristan, any stories behind um, what you want to tell us, how that name came about? <laughs> uh, no, well, that, that was that was one we'll uh, we'll chat off air because that will be similar to, to some of the ones that you were telling us, Jared. So, uh, but no, there's uh, no, I, I wasn't part privy to the uh, the naming of that, but it certainly has, uh, has has got a decent name. The uh, the breeding of it is 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 pretty interesting as well. So, uh, just bringing that up, it was um, uh, what have we got? We've got the Exceed and Excel and Serena Bay. So. I'm not 100% sure what they've come up with there, but uh, it sounds like it'll be a memorable one, and I'm sure there'll be a good story if it can get itself into one of the big races. No, we've never had a story from Serena Bay, haven't we? So um, that, again, is a different podcast, obviously. Uh, best, uh, sorry, better than Piero. Is that the word coming out of the stable? Uh, there was a, a big rap put on the horse on Melbourne Cup Day on TV. So uh, I, I know that, and I'm sure everyone in the uh, in the Sydney area would would attest to this. But Gay tips just as well as Jimmy on a night out. So I'm tipping. Uh, I'm I'm not going to be convinced that it's quite at that level until we see how it goes around on Saturday. But it's certainly when you hear those words uttered, it does get you a little bit excited when you're in the ownership. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, Gay has been known to be a little bit um, immodest about uh, wanting to push forward one of her horses. <laughs> oh, well, two-year-old filly. So there you go. What are we, November? We might have a golden slipper winner on our hands here. Let's see how what the word is after the race on Saturday. Uh, gentlemen, that wraps us up. We are, we are all done for this week. Uh, really looking forward to these rugby league quarterfinals. Uh, can't wait for the racing as well. You enjoy yourselves. I know you will. And we'll speak next time. Take Thanks, care, gentlemen.
Reading the Play is Australia's favourite source of NRL and horse racing tips. Our professional analysts provide the sporting enthusiast with the best of the best. Get the best professional tips and previews from our tipsters direct to your phone. Readingtheplay.com.